Percy, I know you like to travel, and when we go to new places, it's kind of fun sometimes to have a guide, isn't it? Yeah, I recall while in Mexico, my wife and I, we went on an ATV jungle tour. Ooh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> it, it was fun. And then it got a little scary. You know, uh, you know, we, we were taken to like a, a cave with an underwater river, and it was beautiful. And it had an opening at the top where our tour guide told a gentleman to, to cover it up, and it just went pitch black dark <laughs> inside of the, uh, of the cave. But having our guide help us walk, who was walking alongside of us, was very comforting for the unknown journey that we had mm -hmm. as he was taking us through the tunnel. Yeah. And, and so it's true, I think, for those who are also fighting cancer as well, you know, that they, they need to have someone who will walk alongside them. And I think that we should talk a little bit more about this today and the comfort of having someone walk alongside uh, of a cancer patient. Let's have a discussion. Yes, today, we right? have just the person to do that. He's a chaplain. We'll meet him next on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center. Information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. And welcome to this week's edition of Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd, along with our host, Reverend Percy McRae. Pastor P is Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope. And pastors, great to see you again. I hope this is going to be very helpful to the listeners. Yeah, I'm excited for today's conversation and uh, doing well and uh, looking forward as we move ahead. So let's do it, my friend. Okay. We're going to offer a free resource today. And I remember this is one of the earliest ones we offered on this podcast, but it's been so helpful through these years. It's called Hospital Visitation Tips. And I've learned from this. And if you're going to go visit someone in the hospital, don't do it until you've downloaded this resource. <laughs> Hospital Visitation Tips is available free of charge, of course, at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. But let's talk about the, where we're headed today and, and who we'll be talking with. Well, with regard to the reference to the free resource, it's all about being uh, equipped and prepared uh, to address walking alongside someone who has cancer. And we're going to hear uh, from a professional today, a professional who does this every day and has done so for many years, a chaplain. Uh, someone that I know who uh, works at uh, one of the Cancer Treatment Center of America facilities there in Phoenix, Arizona, to talk about the power and the need and, and just some helpful tips of walking alongside those who have cancer. And I think that people will be blessed and encouraged today by this conversation. Yes. And to begin, we would like to pose a question for our listeners to answer. Uh, have you ever struggled with what to say to a cancer patient and why? And you know what? Mm -hmm. I have. I'm, I'm sure you have as well, even though you are, quote, a professional, right? Yeah, this is a real uh fear for many people because, again, uh, I think just because of the reputation of cancer, let alone the fact of, you know, you, you sometimes you're caught like a deer in headlights. And so with that, yeah, we'd love to hear from individuals 
uh, if you've ever struggled with what to say to a cancer patient. But more importantly, I'd like to hear why. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, please give us your feedback and your thoughts. And we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I'm sure many listeners have some stories to tell, uh, mm -hmm. good and bad, probably. But uh, mm -hmm. please let us hear from you. Go to our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Connect, and then you'll be able to type into the box your answer to the question. And we read every answer, by the way. They come to us, and they are very helpful as we plan and research uh, future programs, future podcasts here to be as helpful to you as we possibly can. So go to healthhopeandinspiration.com. All right, what do you have in mind from God's Word to open our conversation with today? Well, we've quoted this scripture many, many times. I'm not really sure we've read it, so today we're going to do so. Matthew 25, oh, yes. Matthew 25, yep. and we're going to read a little bit, so just bear with me, verses 34 through 40. And it'll help to establish, again, the sentiment and the mandate, as I often like to uh, refer to it as, of why the local church and the body of Christ and people in general need to attend to and be willing uh, to service those who are dealing with sickness and disease. And it says as follows, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry and then fed you or thirsty and gave you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and took you in or naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and came unto you? And the king shall answer and say unto them, and this is the important part right here, guys, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done this as unto mm. me. And this Beautiful. is our biblical mandate yeah. uh, to attend to the, the less fortunate in our community, in our world. And among the litany that was listed are people who are sick and we need to be willing and prepared to address and service them. And that certainly is going to be the conversation that we're going to have today. Percy, we'll talk with a hospital chaplain from Phoenix working with Cancer Treatment Centers of America. That's coming up in just a moment here in Health, Hope, and Inspiration. But if you are concerned that you or someone you love may have cancer, consider reaching out to Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer care center for personalized diagnostic services. Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, is a national oncology network of hospitals and outpatient care centers that treats the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, or contact a member of the team with questions about your diagnostic and treatment options. The number, 866-712-HOPE. 866-712-4673. Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, Percy, let's meet our guest. Well, hey, 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 folks, it's me, Pastor P., Reverend Percy McCray, the voice of inspiration, the cancer pastor, back with you having another compelling conversation with another guest. And today we'll be talking to someone who works in uh, the oncology environment as a chaplain. 
Today with me is a uh, 12-year total veteran in the field of chaplaincy. He's been at Cancer Treatment Centers of America now since 2018. And so I'm excited for this conversation today. Welcome to the microphone, Reverend Bob Bethke. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you, Percy. And I appreciate being on uh, your program. Thank you for the invitation. Well, you're welcome, my friend. And also, I understand that you're away from the office traveling. And so I thank you uh, for taking time out of your schedule uh, to kind of spend a little time with us here on Health, Hope and Inspiration. That being said, as part of the introduction, uh, you've been in chaplaincy now over, you know, 10 years, over a decade. So you should know something about this field and, and this space uh, and, and being, having been in chaplaincy, and I know also that you, uh, you, you were a senior pastor previously in another life also, which leads me to ask the question in your opinion, I, I do have a thought and, and a bias about this, but I'd love to hear your feelings with regard to, uh, do you believe that there is a difference, not necessarily good or bad, but just, again, just a unique kind of contrast and comparison uh, to standing in front of a congregation of people versus being a hospital chaplain? And if so, what are some of those differences in your opinion? Well, of course, uh, the major difference is uh, one that uh, people often ask me preaching because I don't do that as a chaplain. Yeah. Uh, but as far as pastoral care, I do much more of that than I ever did in the when I was in the pulpit. Mm. And uh, that's a significant difference, which I, I truly love. Uh, being a being a chaplain, and and I can hear that, and it sounds like again, and I agree with that. Among you know many other elements and dynamics that uh, I think, in my personal opinion and bias, that I think there may be a de- a different degree of um, difficulty in chaplaincy, because in many cases, in most cases, uh, unlike being a senior pastor, you're basically being introduced to people in many cases, it, it, mentally, emotionally, and physically, in their worst moment. Whether are there that's a, true. Yeah, whether they're in a state of crisis, particularly when we talk about the cancer space, you know, they're there. You know, I, I know uh, what that what that conversation is like when being told that you have cancer and there's a lot that you have to unpack and work through. And so typically when you're standing before people on Sunday morning, most of the people there are in a very different mental and emotional headspace than what you're you're confronting when you're dealing with people who have cancer walking through the door. Uh, that's very true. Yeah. And so with that, it leads me to this question. In your opinion, what is the role of chaplaincy in the local hospital? Well, I think for me, uh, my goal is to come alongside uh, the patient to try to understand their life, what that's all about, and then also their spiritual journey, if they have one, and how I can uh, encourage, how can I provide spiritual care for that patient and for their family as well. Mm. And uh, one of the things that you said that really struck me here is, again, if someone has a spiritual journey, I know by experience that obviously everyone in the healthcare setting, again, unlike being a, a, a pastor at a church, you're speaking to an audience that that is basically there because they want to be there. They're 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 like minded from a belief system perspective. They've already bought into and 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 try to adhere to certain uh, spiritual principles and concepts. But in a healthcare environment, a hospital environment, that's not necessarily the case. There are times that you run into people who may not have any spiritual orientation or belief system. How difficult is it and for you as a chaplain? 
when you run into that scenario? And and what do you do then to connect with someone who may not have a defined faith belief orientation? Well, that's quite often the case. Uh, a lot of times people have been to church, but they haven't been to church in a long time. I try to encourage them, let them know I'm not the church police, and that gives them a, a, a sense of uh, relief. Amen. But then we just talk about that. Well, where's God? How do you see him involved in your life? Or do you see him involved in any way in your life? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll say, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot, but I, I do pray. And, and that's kind of where we start with is, well, how do you pray? What do you pray for? And uh, what would you like to see God do in your life? So we really started at square one in regard to who is God and how do you pray to him? So I, I don't begin with doctrine. What I begin with is just how do you experience God in your life right now? Oh, that's great, Reverend. I love it because it is, it speaks to, I think, the most misunderstood human connection dynamic. And Jesus was the best at this is that he met people where they were, not where he thought they should be. He 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 came down on their level versus trying to tell people to come up to his level from a spiritual perspective. And that's kind of what I heard you describe there is meeting people where they are and, and basically creating rapport and relationship and getting to understand what their needs are. And quite often uh, in, in giving them that sense of relief, they're willing to express what happened uh, when they went to church, but they quit going. Why? What was that? What happened to them to change, change that? And uh, usually there was some event that took place that uh, soured them or hurt them. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times they just need to be healed and uh, need to, to know that it's it's safe to go back and and search out who God is. Yeah, and that and that's the coming along part of being uh, just walking alongside with the patient. I love it. Having said yes. that, um, in your opinion, Reverend, do you think that faith and science is in conflict with one another? I know that there are still some on both sides of the of those camps that may still feel that there's a bit of a strained relationship. I think that that has really shifted and changed over my close to 30 years in chaplaincy. What say you about conflicts of faith and science? Well, I think it, it doesn't need to be. There doesn't need to be a conflict there. I think science basically looks for answers to questions about uh, what God made. Mm. They look for the how, mm. uh, you know, how things work, how God made things, or leave God out of that. But faith looks uh, for life answers to questions about who God is. So they're, they're looking for the who. And sometimes the two questions uh, are answered really uh, together, but both science and faith are are really incomplete. So we need to give a lot of grace to each other. So I think the two of them really can complement each other. I love it, Reverend, because you're right. I think part of the problem in many cases, not all cases, obviously, is that there's there tends to be a power struggle that's at work between the two camps of, you know, who's the, the top dog, if you will, or who's the who's ahead of the line and, and basically giving each other grace, as you stated, and, and understanding how the two can complement one another is, is the, is the happy place and can certainly be done. So I appreciate your insights with regard. And I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, what are some essential things to know and understand about cancer patients that you've learned uh, in your ministry to them? Well, that's uh, <laughs> there are a lot of essentials. <laughs> Well, give, give me your top three. Give me just, you know, just give me a couple. It doesn't have to be in okay. any particular order either. Okay. I I would say um, one of them is that uh, cancer patients are constantly facing 
losses in our lives. And I think it's important for us to say, what's going on? How are things going in your life? Uh, I don't think we should ignore them. I think that's an essential to constantly ask, how are you doing? What's happening? Um, I think they, they also need to be looking forward to some possible goal, uh, positive goals and, and rewards. Uh, it's easy for them to get sidetracked with the negative things that are happening and, and lose track of what, what's up ahead that you can look forward to. Um, another one is uh, they may not feel like sharing today. And sometimes we want them to tell us what's going on mm. and they may not feel like it. And yeah. I, I think to force it is not a good idea, but to love on them and to tell them, Hey, I'm here for you. Uh, whenever you feel like it, I think that's, that's important. Those are, those are great essentials. And I think, you know, if you wanted to rank them, they could go in the top five, in my opinion, based upon my experience. So that is fantastic insight. And particularly the last point of, you know, we have to remember that cancer patients mentally, emotionally, and physically are not always feeling well. And we can't and we should not force them to, to basically feel up to talking or sharing. They just simply may not be in the mood or physically not, not able but in some cases, we may have to just be still and quiet, be just present for them. Well, let me ask you a really hard one, Reverend. And this is, you know, this is going to force you to dig a little bit deep or maybe not. Um, how do you support uh, cancer patients who are dying? I know as people of faith, we're believing and hoping and trusting that that God's grace will prevail and that their their treatments will go well. But there are times, you know, and and, and statistically, the good news is that we have people who are living longer with cancer than any time before the death rate has precipitously dropped, uh, which is such good news. But nevertheless, there are still those who, for whatever reason, may succumb to this disease and pass away. How do you support a cancer patient uh, who is dying, my friend? Uh, that is difficult, uh, but I think number one is uh, listen to them for one thing. Okay. Find out what's going on that they're willing to talk about and willing to share. Yeah, I think um, along with all the other things, the one that I found most helpful is to support the family that's there. Yeah, to encourage to encourage them to interact as much as they can with that uh, that loved one who is dying. Uh, I can remember one time uh, watching a husband interact with his wife. And I can remember uh, as she was going through a very difficult moment there, he looked at me and he said, how can a loving God allow this woman, this precious woman to suffer so much? Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't know exactly what to say. But then a minute later, he asked me the same question. Mm. And I said, you know, I, I don't understand suffering. I don't know. Uh, you know, I can't answer that question. I said, but I can tell you this, that God always gives grace. Uh, whenever there is suffering in some form. And he said, well, I don't see it. Where's the grace? Yeah. And I said, well, let me tell you something. I watched you as you have held your wife's face in your hands. I watched you as you stroked her hair. I watched you as you spoke to her just face to face. And she, I watched her response as she cooed and she awed because she couldn't speak words, but she looked directly into your eyes. Mm. And I watched how she responded. I said, John, the grace of God was you. Yeah. And he looked at me and he began to, he just broke down and cried, not realizing that he was the grace of God. And that's, that was my role is to support 
that patient by supporting him. What a powerful and timely word of revelation that you gave him and, 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 and gift that you gave him that helped him to kind of uh, get a better perspective or see God in a different light that was working through him. And so having said that, Reverend, and again, I could talk to you all day, uh, you know, and we're going to have another conversation with you because you've got so much that, that you can share. And But as we round out this this particular conversation, uh, for anybody that's listening right now to you, what would you have say to them as a man of faith, as a person working in the healthcare environment and cancer environment, what would you say to a cancer patient right now today who's walking the journey of cancer? I would just say, you know, you are not alone, you know, that uh, God is with you and God is in some way uh, going to be blessing you. I always enter into a room knowing that somehow God wants to bless that person yeah. in some way. And I don't know exactly how, but but I, I go in and say, you know, if, if God could bless you in some way today, what, what would it be? How, how would it be? What would you like to see happen? Mm. And, um, and I let them kind of determine what that would look like. And a lot of times uh, they've got something in mind, not necessarily, well, I want you to pray in this way, but uh, they're concerned about something that I wouldn't think of. So to me, you know, I would want to pray about, oh, is it pain? Is it uh, family? Is it this or that? But they've got something in mind and they'll share that with me. And when I pray for that, mm -hmm. it means everything to them. They're willing to endure anything else that's going on. But I prayed for the thing that was most important to them. And uh, to me, that, that, you know, that was the most successful thing I've done today is pray in a way and, and minister to, their, uh, to them in a way that, that meant most to them. Yeah, there's just great, great wisdom there. I, I, I think of the woman at the well that Christ confronted and she basically was sharing with him, you know, her, her social personal dynamics. And Christ said, I, I, I basically I'm paraphrasing, obviously, that I understand. I know what your past is and, and I understand that and I connect with that today. And, and that's mm -hmm. what you're saying. And that that is so key and so crucial, connecting to that which is important uh, to that individual. And in order to do that, we have to ask and then we have to be silent and listen and allow them uh, to direct us accordingly. My last question, my mm -hmm. friend, my my compadre and my Conrad in the in the field of, of chaplaincy, uh, what personally gives you hope? I get asked this question all the time, having talk, talking to cancer patients all day, their caregivers every day. What is it that continues to give you hope in the environment of ministry that you serve to the cancer community? When I go home at night, sometimes I go home with tears and other times I go home with joy. Mm. And it's because I've listened to the stories of, of cancer patients. And that's what gives me hope and encouragement, just listening to what they have had to say. And it's, it just is amazing to me. Um, I, uh, what gives me hope is just trying to stay close to God throughout the day. You know, that gives me hope. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise I can get so easily distracted. And then, and then I try to figure out, you know, how can I help this person or how can I get this person to feel this way instead of that? And that's just the wrong thing to think. Mm. I, I have no control. Yeah, just like that patient has no control, but God does. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time today, Reverend. I appreciate it. You have been listening to uh, the one and only Reverend Bob Bethke. He is a 12-year uh, veteran of chaplaincy. He's been at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Phoenix, uh, Goodyear, Arizona, uh, since 2018. And you've heard, you know, pearls of wisdom from one who is in the trenches every day 
with cancer patients and their caregivers, providing spiritual support. We have heard from one who is doing that every day. Thank you again, my friend. And I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Have a Thank great you, day. Thank you, Percy. I appreciate it. All right. God bless. This is Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And we'll come back to Percy in just a moment after that pre-recorded conversation. We need to talk about what he and the chaplain talked about here today and kind of unpack what we learned together. With locations in Atlanta and Chicago and Phoenix, where we heard from today, Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center, is a national oncology network of hospitals and outpatient care centers offering an integrated approach that combines surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, immunotherapy, and advancements in precision medicine with supportive therapies to manage side effects and enhance quality of life during treatment and into survivorship. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, or contact a member of their team with questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-4673. Cancer Treatment Centers of America is part of City of Hope, and it uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver advancements in precision medicine with supportive therapies like spiritual support. Learn more at Health Hope and inspiration.com. So, Percy, you talked with one of your own today, someone that has the job that you've had for many, many years. Absolutely. So, of course, I have an affinity, a love, and a respect uh, for that work. And uh, Reverend Bob Bethke was was fantastic. And he helped us to kind of understand some 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 unique perspectives, I think, from, from his vantage point. One that stands out to me in this conversation is that you know he views the role of chaplaincy as one who is there to walk alongside of yeah. of a patient, and I've never quite heard it uh, articulated that way. It's absolutely true, mm. uh, and and what comes to mind, Wayne, when I hear the word alongside is it's the it's the Greek word for uh, Holy Spirit, oh, uh, sure, which the, also the helper, I mean, yeah. yep, yep, the one who comes alongside to help. That's exactly right. And so uh, with that being said, uh, I thought that he articulated that very well. And, and as he, you know, talked through, you know, from his perspective, that's what he feels his role is. You know, he was a former pastor for many, many years uh, that he said, you know, he doesn't do a whole lot of preaching anymore, obviously, but he does more one on one, you know, uh, walking with and alongside individuals. And that the ministry of, of chaplaincy, you know, is very uniquely different than being a, a pastor over a congregation. And, and that's absolutely correct. Uh, it's, it's so different. And it's one of the reasons why uh, I just did an interview with uh, someone recently uh, who we talked about this, that, you know, it's probably one of the reasons why many pastors of local churches uh, are, are somewhat uncomfortable with going into local hospitals because it's it's a very different dynamic. It's you know, uh, when you're when you're a pastor of a local church, you're used to kind of controlling the environment. You know, you have a podium, you know, you have everything laid out, the music, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But see, when you go into a hospital, you're you're not in charge of that environment. <laughs> so that's the first thing. You're 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 behind the eight ball a little bit, and you have to first of all follow the rules of the hospital which many pastors struggle with sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, is that you don't have anything prepared of a direction that you want to go to go into from a sermon perspective. You've got to kind of flow with 
what the dynamics of the visit is establishing, what, what is the mental and emotional condition of the patient, you know, where are they wanting to go, what do they want to talk about. And I thought that Reverend Bob brought up the point very articulately was his goal is to find out what does the patient want? What are they looking for from God versus us telling them, see, when you're in the pulpit, you're telling people, this is what God wants you to do yep. and where God wants you, you to go. You feel more comfortable there. I understand. Yeah. Says, yeah. You're driving the bus there, but in the situation is completely reversed. And he said that one of the key things is, is to listen and to understand and ask that patient, what is it that they are wanting from God and they are desiring from God. So he really helped to give some nuance of insight about, again, bedside hospital care ministry. Mm-hmm. So the, these chaplains, um, we're so grateful for them. I mean, think about the investment that they're making in people's lives at the very time when they need that spiritual guidance and encouragement. Yeah, well, the other dynamic that's unique to being a hospital chaplain versus being a pastor is that you typically are seeing people at their worst. When you are oh, a pastor, yeah. you're seeing people typically when they're at their best. Right, yeah. You know, they're dressed up, they come to church, they're, you know, they're upbeat. Hey, let's go, let's do some praise and worship music. <laughs> I just took the kids to children's church. I had the greeters greet me in the parking lot. Well, in the hospital setting, you're not seeing people at their best. You're typically seeing them compromised mentally, emotionally, and physically. And so with that, Again, it's a very different environmental uh, cadence that you have to make an adjustment to. And he, so the investment of first of all, I think having being very patient. See, pastors are, are are conditioned to work at a different pace, you know, because the pace is different, the rhythm is different. I've you know I've been to some pretty high level churches where I was a guest speaker or whatever. I mean, they have everything. You know, you got two minutes. You know, and then boom, boom, boom. You know, blah, 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 you know. So it's very regimented and structured. You know, and it needs to be in order to keep their quote unquote program and so on and so forth. Inside of a local hospital, you know, you're not on. You're you're not on a clock. Yeah. You know, you're not keeping kind of a regiment of a of a set a set of order of what the program is for today, and it requires a very different rhythm. And of patience and investment of of kind of allowing the situation to come to you. And there's an investment in order to do that, to your point, that that really uh, requires a different uh, rhythm and a different sense of how to function in, in that environment and space. Because sometimes, and here's a, here's a shock to some people's system, there are times that, you know, at a hospital bedside visit, Wayne, that you don't say anything mm, to the patient. Wow. They don't want to talk. They're not in the mood to talk. Sure. But just being present with them and, and providing presence for them. Well, that's very unlike a church setting environment. Somebody is saying, doing something, singing, reading an announcement, you know, reading a scripture. So again, it's it's uh it requires a very different type of investment and 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 a skill set to say the least. Well, after being a chaplain for many years, a hospital chaplain, you are now a leader of chaplains. What do you miss most about uh you know, not being, I know you still have contact with patients, of course, but mm-hmm. not every day, do you? No, not every day. Uh, and, and you're right. Uh, it's very similar to what, what I've heard uh, a lot of athletes say when they retire from being an active player. They don't necessarily miss, you know, the regiment of practice and playing on the field. They miss the camaraderie of, of the teammates. Mm-hmm. I do miss, uh, you know, one of the one of the greatest things that that happened to me that was a gift for me when I became a chaplain was I was exposed to people from from every uh, political, social, uh, economic, you know, strata. 
and you you you're you're only the the sum total of people, places, and experiences that you meet. If I only stayed on the south side of Chicago, based upon that ethos and that environment, I, I there's so much more in the world, and you can only meet that from people who represent those other areas and environments. So I missed. Uh, that global uh, interaction with people that didn't look like me, that didn't sound like me, who didn't come from environments and backgrounds that I came from, who just taught me about other expressions of humanity. Because as we've talked about on a previous show, cancer uh, makes you be real. It, sh it shows you who people really are. And you just get to learn so much about the thought process and the interaction of who people are that don't look like, sound like, act like. And I miss that. I mm -hmm. truly miss mm -hmm. that. I'm a better human being and I'm a bigger person because I've met people from Texas and I've met people from Wyoming yeah. and I've met people from Hawaii yeah. and, and they talk about their cultures. They talk about their belief systems and you know, it's very, it, it helps to enlarge who you are as a human being. I truly yeah. do miss that. And you take those lessons from Hawaii, let's say, and you bring them back to Texas and other places. So God's using you in that regard. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, one of the things that I was somewhat criticized by a couple of colleagues of mine when I stopped pastoring was that, you know, man, you really, you know, I can't believe you no longer pastor. I said, I pastor the largest church in the world now. <laughs> I talk to people from all over the world and literally have spoken yeah. and, and been a part of people that represented areas of, of life that I never would have met or come in contact with had I not been in that environment. And I'm so grateful for that. Well, we are grateful for you. Uh, again, if you would take a few moments, it won't take long, but if you would just take a few moments to go to our website, would you please answer this week's question? Have you ever struggled with what to say to a cancer patient and why? Um, some of the uh, answers that, that we get to the question, I'm sure, are things already addressed in our free resource, Hospital Visitation Tips. So mm -hmm. while you're at the website, download that resource. And maybe that'll also get you thinking about your own experiences. Hospital Visitation Tips available at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, Percy, let's go back to where we began in Matthew 25. I've always loved this passage. Um, I uh, have seen it work uh, around the world, and I see how mm -hmm. uh, meaningful it is to people all over, all over the world. I'm glad you shared it with us today. Yep. Matthew 25 verses 34 through 40. It says, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty. and You gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave you drink, etc., etc." And so then the Lord turns around and says in verse 40, and the king shall answer and say unto them, verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done this unto me. And so we have a mandate. Uh, to be mindful of those that are in need and particularly people who are dealing with sickness and disease to meet those needs and to attend to them. Because when we do this as unto them, we're not just doing a good thing and we are doing a good thing, uh, but we're doing this as unto God himself, as unto Christ. And when we remember that, that means that we will be mentally, emotionally, and hopefully uh, physically prepared to bring our very best to those encounters. And it's one of the reasons why the free resource is so important because it'll give you tips on how to be your best and be effective 
when you go visit those who are dealing with sickness and disease, just as uh, Reverend Bob Bethke uh, helped us to understand some unique nuances about what he brings to the experience of being a chaplain. We all in our own way can be a type of chaplain when called upon, and we need to be responsive so that we can meet the needs of those before us. And when we do that, we are doing this as on to Christ himself. Yes, Reverend Bob, if you're listening today, thank you for your contribution thank to you. all of us who are listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And most of all, thanks to Percy McCray, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope. Percy, God bless, and you have an assignment for us, don't you? I do. Remember, we still have work to do, everyone, so keep chopping the wood. Don't stop, don't give up, don't give in. Keep chopping the wood, and until the next time, we'll talk to you soon. God bless and be well. Please join us next time for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is sponsored by and produced by Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, part of City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, and Phoenix take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific need. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.